morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us at this very first service, 7.30 a.m. service, and I pray that uh, this will be a very, very meaningful time for you, even as you have set aside this time for corporate worship, whether on-site or online. Now turn with me to Psalm 85, which is a heartfelt prayer for revival. In some translations, uh, you will you will find a title which says, To the Chief Musician, a Psalm of the Sons of Korah. Now the Korah Psalms are designed to be a book of common prayer, specific and personal enough to be heartfelt, and yet general enough for everyone to use and to use it repeatedly. Now, Psalm 85 gives us some insights into what true revival involves. And right in the heart of this psalm, there is a plea for God to send his people a revival. Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? May this be our prayer as we commit this time to God. Let us pray. God our Father, we pray for the better understanding of what true revival entails. Speak individually to each one of us. Speak also corporately to us as we intentionally embrace discipleship as a way of life. We pray, O oh God, that you will fill every corner of our hearts to give full attention to you and your holy word. And now, as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, may we hear with joy what you would say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was this Lutheran uh, bishop who was telling, uh, who was visiting uh, a church in California, and he found this very stirring red and orange banner on the wall. And on that banner was printed the prayer, Come, Holy Spirit. And above it was a picture of a fire burning, like what you see here on slide. Now, the bishop was also very interested in the sign directly underneath the banner which said, Fire Extinguisher. Now, most scholars believe that Psalm 85 was written just after Israel returned from captivity in Babylon. You know, Israel had been sent to Babylon for 70 years as punishment for their sins against the Lord, and now they have been restored to their land, but their hearts are still not where they ought to be. The nation has experienced restoration, but it stands in great need for revival. Now, written against some setbacks of the nation, Psalm 85 recalls the deeds of God in the past. It reflects on the distress of the present and it reassures concerning deliverances, deliverance in the future. Now, Israel's situation parallels ours to a certain degree. You see, we have been saved by the grace of God and delivered from the penalty of sins. We have been so blessed, but we are not where we need to be with the Lord. And just like ancient Israel, the church stands in need of a revival. Now, what is revival? Who needs revival? In its classic sense, revival can be defined as a season of unusual divine visitation 
resulting in deep repentance, supernatural revival, renewal, and sweeping reformation in the church. There is also the radical conversion of sinners in the world, which often produce moral, social, or even economic change in the local or national communities. Now, the noun revival is not found in the Bible, but the verbs revive or quicken are frequently found, especially in the Psalms. Other related verbs and nouns are used throughout the scripture, such as return or heal in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 22, restore and return and renew in Lamentations chapter 5 verse 21, and times of refreshing in Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Now who needs revival? Who needs revival? Revival is not something that is just for the backslidden or the immature. It is not something that is only needed by the uncommitted, those who have neglected attending church, or those we think who are less spiritual than us. All of us, all of us throughout our discipleship journey will need personal revival at various times. Friends, everyone here needs revival. Everyone needs revival because we need some areas in our lives to be refreshed. We need some areas to be restored. Church, when true revival comes, there will be an overpowering sense of God's presence resulting in communion with God, consecration, holiness, commitment, and a deep sense of conviction in the whole community. Now, what can we learn? What can we learn from the psalmist in his cry for revival? Let's consider the three steps that he took in his cry for revival. First, the path to revival, which begins with a recollection of the past. Second, the petition for revival, which brings to mind the reflections on the present. And third, the picture of revival, which, which from the Sami's resolution and the Lord's reassurance of the future. Now, remembering God's grace and mercy is the first step towards the path to revival. Now, do you remember when you first experienced God's peace, when you know that all was well between you and God. In Psalm 85, verse 1 to 3, the psalmist remembers the past. He looks back to where they were and what the Lord has done for them. Now, any believer, Christians, any Christian can be the first three verses of Psalm 85, remember some personal experience of spiritual turnaround. And a good way to find restoration or a fresh start with God is to praise God for His past faithfulness. Now, in spite of their present condition, the present suffering, the faithful remnant who had returned to the promised land from the captivity of Babylon 
did just that as the psalmist begins Psalm 85 with this. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. Now the word favorable speaks of deeming someone or something to be acceptable, often in the context of atonement. God has been favorable to his people in the past. Revivals come as times of refreshing from the Lord. Or in the case of Israel, it was a time when God restored their fortunes. In verse 2 and 3, the psalmist remembers God's past forgiveness. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Now the path to revival begins with the recitation of God's past mercies. You see, revival is often a direct result of God's mercy. And mercy from the Hebrew word hazed is one of the most important words of the Old Testament, similar to the New Testament word charis, charis for grace. And this undeserved kindness and gracious love is extended to desperate, sincere people. And the petition for revival resulting from God's mercy and deliverance arose out of the separation that anger creates. Friends, God has given us salvation. Will he not revive us? Will he not Give us restoration and revival. Let's plead for revival on that basis. You know, all six verbs in these three verses are in the perfect tense. Showed, restored, forgave, pardoned, withdrew, turned. The psalmist views God's action as finished and irrevocable. The favour that God has shown, he will not suddenly take away. His anger will not suddenly burn again over sins which were once forgiven. You see, the psalmist gives all the credit to God. Every action in these verses is God's. You showed, you restored, you forgave, you pardoned, you withdrew, you turned. And even the repentance that preceded the forgiveness and blessing was wrought by God and not man. Church, God's grace is the basis of the psalmist's prayer. He gains encouragement for the present and the future by looking at the past, which for him records God's gracious deeds. Now let's move on to look at verses 4 to 7, the petition for revival. In verses 4 to 7, the psalmist reflects on the present. While they had so much to be grateful for, there was still room for improvement. Now Israel was back in the land, but they weren't completely right with the Lord. And the psalmist speaks of their present condition. The petition for repentance is for the people to return 
to him, Restore us again, O God of our salvation. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Now the word trans- translated restore could be rendered return us or revive us. The psalmist is asking God to lead the people to repent, to forsake their sins and to return to him. They desperately want God's life at work within them. You know, when the psalmist uses the word us, he's speaking of a need for national repentance. And national repentance begins with personal repentance. Friends, spiritual growth cannot happen when there is unconfessed sin. The argument is, in prior days, God wondrously saved them and forgave their sins when they acknowledged and turned from their sins. They therefore are to ask God to bring them out of their present distress by leading them to forsake their sins once again. Friends, when we cease to rebel, the Lord ceases to be indignant toward us. When we return to Him, He will return to us. After confession and repentance come restoration and revival. The petition for revival in verse 6 is that the people may rejoice in God. Will you not, will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? The use of the word again indicates a previous state of blessing and closeness with God that needs to be recovered. The psalmist is praying, help us get back to where we once were as a nation. Now, let me, ex- let me further explain what revival is. Now, literally, revival means re, that is to repeat, to be brought back, plus vive, to live, be vibrant, full of life. Spiritually, it refers to the condition of our heart, the genuineness of our relationship with Christ. The word in Hebrew translated revive consists of two words. The first word means to turn or to return. The second term comes from a word that means to live, to be, or to become strong, vigorous, or to be restored. And this word is so forceful that again is added. The call was for God to raise up his people from the state of spiritual death or deadness and restore them. And to put it simply, after lamenting the current sinful state of God's people and remembering by contrast how it used to be when everyone was close to the Lord, the psalmist cried out, Do it again, Lord. Do it again. 
Remember how you gave us new life and spiritual vibrancy. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Now, how do we know that we need revival? When we are easily offended, when we gossip, when we compromise with or justify sin, and when we act and talk like the world. Friends, revival is a renewal of spiritual life. A renewal of spiritual life in an individual or among a group of people. Revival is not evangelism, even though many souls may be saved as a result of it. Revival is not emotionalism, though there may be emotional manifestations connected to it. Revival is distinct from evangelism. The late evangelist and revivalist George T. Stevens once explained, the doctrine of revivalism carries a different meaning. It concerns those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and who are already members of his body, the church, that is Christians. But because they have become indifferent to his spirit within them, losing their concern for the unsaved, they have need to be revived. One who is unrelated to God in Christ cannot be revived. He must be regenerated. Revival is the awakening, the revitalizing, the restoring of those who have already come into a personal relationship with the Lord, but who have been robbed of their sense of duty toward God and their fellow men by worldliness, lukewarmness, or disobedience. This morning, what areas, what are some areas where we need revival? One is spiritual fellowship in the house of God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 tells us, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Another area is faithfulness in Christian service. Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Friends, when there is the fire of revival, we do not need to go around begging people to fill positions for service in God's vineyard. The third area is holiness in daily living. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. I want to invite us to take some time this week to reflect on our present spiritual life. And here are some discipleship questions. What can we improve on in our discipleship to Christ? 
Has our love for God grown cold? Has the fire that was once so strong in our hearts diminished because of the day-to-day activities and responsibilities and the worldly things of this life? And how is our prayer life, our devotional life, how are we being discipled and how are we discipling others? And what is our next step in our journey with Christ? What can we get rid of? Is there an unforgiving spirit? Is our heart filled with pride? What would our children or our parents say of us at home? And what would our colleagues say of us at work? In Psalm 85 verse 7, the petition is for God to pour out His love, to pour out His love on His people, His church, that our love for Him might be renewed, and be further sanctified. Verse 7, Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Now the plea here is that God would show us, God would make known or make plain His loving kindness to us. They had experienced His displeasure and now they want to experience his loving kindness. And this continued request is that the Lord will grant his salvation or deliverance. Now, this is not a request to be saved or to be brought into the family of God for the first time. It is a request that we be delivered from the consequences of sin, of our sin. Now, God has brought revival in the past to each one of us individually and to us as a church. Will we come together again and seek God's face for his special working in our, in our midst? And friends, we need a divine visitation that God's people might rejoice in him. Would we ask God, would you ask God to give you, to give us a fresh touch? Of his love. Psalm 85 verses 8 to 13 give us the picture of revival. In verses 8 to 9, we see the verse, we see the psalmist's resolution. Now, what did he resolve to do? He will conform to God's word. He will listen to God's word and he will live it out in his life. Verse 8, let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. He will commit to God's ways. Those who are wise, fear the Lord, find his plan and live it out. Verse 9, surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Friends, when God's people are 
no longer experiencing the abundant life and joy of God, it's time to prepare for revival. Revival is not just thousands of people getting saved. Revival is renewing our walk with the Lord, our worship and our work. Now, what can we resolve to do today? For some of us, it is to begin a regular devotional life. And for many of us, myself included, it is to have a disciplined prayer life. In verses 10 to 13, we have the Lord's reassurance of the future. While the glory, the presence of the Lord reigns in the land, the people will experience the characteristics of verse 10 to 13. Verse 10, steadfast love and faithfulness will meet, righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look up, look, look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Now let me summarize. Revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. And it encompasses the resurfacing of the love of God and appreciation of God's holiness and a passion for His Word and His, and His world. There is a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin. There is a spirit of humility and a desire for repentance and growth in righteousness. Revival invigorates and deepens our faith. It opens our eyes to the truth in a fresh new way and in generally involves a fresh start with a clean slate marking a new beginning of a life that is lived in obedience to God. Friends, revival breaks the charm and the power of this world which blinds our eyes and it generates both the will and the power to live in the world and not of the world. Revival in many aspects replicates our experience when we are saved because it is initiated by a prompting of the Holy Spirit, creating a, a, an awareness of something that is missing or wrong in our life that can only be righted by God. And in turn, we must respond. We must respond from the heart, acknowledging our need. And then in a very powerful way, the Holy Spirit draws back the veil of the world, the veil that the world has cast over the truth, allowing us 
to fully see ourselves in comparison to God's majesty and holiness. And obviously such comparisons brings great humility, but also great awe of God and His truly amazing grace. Now, unlike the the original conversion that brings about a new relationship to God, revival represents a restoration of fellowship with God. The relationship having been retained, even though we have been pulled away for a time. Dr. Ennard Cook describes revival as this. He says, it is a time when God comes down. When the word comes alive, when sin is revealed, when brokenness abounds, when confessions are made, when forgiveness is granted, and when broken relationships are restored. Friends, the evidence of revival is transformed lives where there is a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon believers. There's great movements toward righteousness, evangelism, and social justice will occur. And believers are once again spending time in prayerful, in prayer, in reading and obeying God's word. Believers begin to powerfully use the spiritual gifts, and there is confession of sin and repentance. And the result of revival is God's people rejoicing in Him. Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Friends, this joyful condition of our soul is brought about because of an upward Focus on God and our relationship with Christ. While I was preparing this sermon, it brought back memories of joy in the Lord. You know, the first hymn that I learned as a teenager when I first stepped into a church for the first time was Joy to the World. And when I first stepped into the new premises of my home church at Fairfield, I was very drawn to a verse on the wall that says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. Friends, by basking in God's presence, we drink in the joy of his infinite love and we rejoice in the one who came to redeem and to restore us. And friends, the degree of our joy is an indication of our spiritual condition. Joy in the Lord is the gauge of our inner spiritual life. And nothing else brings such joy as a right relationship with God. You know, people who have little joy are in desperate need of God's reviving work. Because without the reviving power and presence of God, 
there can be no spiritual life or vitality. This morning, have you lost your joy in service? You know, sometimes we lose the zeal that we had at first. We just go through the motions, but we no longer experience the joy of serving Christ. This morning, have you lost the joy in worship? Friends, we are all created to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Revival simply fulfills God's desire for us to know Him, to know Him in the fullness of His Spirit and to declare His praises to the ends of the earth. Revival is restoring God's glory in every dimension of life, from personal to global. Personal, let your light shine before men. Family gives light to all who are in the house. Church, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. City, a city that is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Global, you are the light of the world. How are you restoring God's glory every day? Let us pray. Please continue to allow God's word to sing into your hearts as we respond to him. What is God saying to you today? And what is God saying to you about your relationship with Him? I invite us to take some time to pray. Father, we thank you for sacred moments like this where we can commune with you heart to heart. Today, O oh Lord, we pray for a deep conviction of sin, spiritual brokenness, a holy fear of God, and genuine repentance among us, without which there is no revival. Bestow spiritual hunger in us, O oh God, and draw us to fervent intercession. Grant us, O oh God, the genuine faith and a fervent desire for prayer. Fill your people, O oh God, with a passion to see people saved. Lord, we know that only you can give a burden, a genuine burden for souls. May we intensely pray for the lost and do aggressive soul winning. May we be constantly praying for the many lost people by name. Give your people, O oh God, a passion for missions. We pray for those who are struggling with your call to ministry, missions, and Christian service. Pour forth your spirit, O God, like a mighty purifying blood. Purify our motives, O God, as we pray for revival. That our motives are solely for the glory of God and the increase of the kingdom of God. This we pray in Jesus' most mighty and precious name. Amen.